Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We are concluding this series. We've been in for five weeks. Um, you've gotten to hear from Anne-Marie a couple of times, and, and uh, you've gotten to hear from me a couple of times. And we've been uh, talking about who we are as a church. That's been the whole concept, the whole idea behind this series uh, is, is who we are, uh, but maybe more importantly, where we want to go, what our blueprint for the future is. And so we started off by talking about our church motto, White's Chapel, where tradition meets today. Uh, we talked about the various mantles we're called to pick up, uh, the mantle of Christ, the mantle of our church, the mantle of Methodism. Uh, and then we jumped into our vision statement, which you can see here. Uh, and we've kind of just walked through each one of these things point by point. And so the first week we talked about being a church that engages the heart with mission and outreach. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about being a church that, that prioritizes worship, that stirs the soul. Uh, and then last week, we talked about challenging the mind with discipleship, uh, being challenged intellectually and, and learning more and, and appreciating scripture and really making it a, a big part of our lives. Uh, tonight, as you've heard a couple of times now, we're going to be talking about connecting the body through radical hospitality. Um, we've looked, over the course of this series, we've, we've really looked inward. That's been kind of the whole idea. Uh, but tonight we're going to finish by looking outward. By making sure that we think about how we welcome people into White's Chapel. Making sure that we invite people. Making sure that this is a place where people feel comfortable uh, that, that's how we connect the body. We connect the body, we grow the body. And our scripture for tonight has a lot to say to us, uh, and it's on the longer side. And so I want us to go ahead and dive in. Uh, this is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 47. Uh, a lot of us may be familiar with this story. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful story from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is what it says. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And she began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she's a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, 
have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. It's a great story. Wonderful, and it gives us this wonderful depiction of the heart of Jesus, and we're gonna get there, but, uh, but I want us to focus on two people in our scripture because I think they give us vastly different pictures of hospitality, of what it looks like to connect the body. And so we're gonna do a little bit of a character study tonight. First is the Pharisee. So this Pharisee invites Jesus to come into his house to have a meal with him. And at first glance, we think, okay, this guy's being hospitable. He's welcoming Jesus in, he's feeding him, that's good. But then this woman shows up. And she, she prostrates herself before Jesus. She starts washing his feet. She's crying and she's praising and she's repenting. And Simon the Pharisee sees this. And we get a look inside his mind, which is kind of unique for scripture, that we get, to, we get to read his thoughts. But you remember what he thinks. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. He would know that she's a sinner so his first instinct is to judge this woman. And then he judges Jesus for not casting her aside or condemning her. And we read this and, and we're meant to take a step back and see that he isn't hospitable at all. And this may have been more obvious actually to a first century Jewish audience who would be reading this earlier on. Because in Jewish culture, when you had someone over to your house, uh, it was traditional to offer them oil for their head a bowl of water to wash their feet, and a greeting kiss. Uh, those things were customary. That's what you did. But Simon the Pharisee does none of that. And Jesus calls him out for it. He says, Simon, the woman that you're judging did all of the things that you're supposed to do. She offered me this, this valuable ointment She's bathing my feet. She's kissing my feet. All the things that you were supposed to do, she's doing. She's welcoming me. She's showing me love and hospitality and kindness. And you did the bare minimum. And yet I can see it in your eyes. You think that you're the one who's superior to her. See, hospitality, connecting people together, it, it means making sure that your guests feel comfortable. Going above and beyond. And, and doing that, I mean, you, you can't get away with just the bare minimum. I mean, yes, Simon the Pharisee provides dinner. He invites Jesus in. But in the end, we, we see that he's actually very inhospitable. And that's important. Because the thing about inhospitality is that people remember it. Uh, I, I want to tell you all a story about an experience I had recently that I found very inhospitable. Uh, Hannah and I went to San Francisco uh, for a vacation this summer, and one of the many, many touristy things that we did was go to Alcatraz Island. Some of you may have done this. Uh, it's, uh, Alcatraz is the famous prison where people like Al Capone and others were jailed. And so we bought the tickets online and we showed up to get on the ferry that would take us to this island. And so we waited in this long line and eventually we got to board the boat. And the very first thing that I noticed was that there were tons of flies on this boat. I mean, all of us were swatting away flies constantly. But I was trying to, you know, trying to be patient. And so I said, as soon as the boat gets moving, it'll get better. 
But it didn't. I was wrong. It was still terrible. For the entire 20-minute ferry over to Alcatraz, I felt like the prisoner. Everyone on board was covered in flies. I, I mean, like at any given time, there were 10 flies on you. Uh, and it was something out of a horror movie, uh, honestly. And I'll tell you, it was so unpleasant, which made me so unpleasant. <laughs> I was pacing around like crazy. I was so angry. I was muttering under my breath. I was uncomfortable. I, I probably said some things that I wouldn't want y'all to know that I said. And, uh, and I know I was looking around and several other people on the boat, every other person on the boat felt this way. Well, we did our little thing to Alcatraz. I got in and out as quickly as humanly possible. And uh, we got back and to the hotel and I looked up reviews for Alcatraz for the island tour. I wanted to see if Hannah and I were the only ones who felt this way, if we just happened upon a bad boat or, or something. Uh, and it turns out this is, is fairly common. I found a couple of reviews that I'll share with you. Uh, Beth B and Linda J. Linda J says uh, one star, which I wouldn't even give it one. But she said, the fly infestation on the ferries that go to and from the island daily with thousands of people traveling back and forth needs to be finally addressed. And a conclusion needs to be made on how to handle a complete infestation. This is unhealthy and unsanitary. The island is invaded by flies and now the ferries are also, it's bad. Like horse stable bad times 10. And then Beth B. Beth, Beth said this would have been a great except for the fly infestation. Fly season or not, there's absolutely no excuse for the infestation on the ferries. I could understand outdoors, but the boats too? Come on. My husband and I were miserable, and it completely ruined what could have been a good experience. Uh, man, I can relate to Linda and Beth. Uh, now, I don't tell you this story just to complain, although I, I could do another 15 minutes, but I won't. Uh, I tell you this story because we have to make sure that we don't have these kind of blind spots when it comes to our work in being hospitable as a people and as a church. We have to make sure that, that we don't have proverbial fly infestations. See, this boat was nice. There was food and drinks, there was comfortable seating, it was right on time. On the surface, it looked fine. Just like on the surface, everything with Simon the Pharisee looked fine, but there was a blind spot. They'd missed something that ended up totally ruining mine and Hannah and Beth B and Linda J's experience. And that's what the Pharisee Simon had. He had a huge blind spot. He had a fly infestation. And I know this is a little corny, but, but, but I think his infestation was the state of his heart. Yes, technically, he welcomed Jesus into his home and he provided him a meal. But the whole time he was judgmental. He judged Jesus for showing this woman kindness and he judged this woman for being a sinner. My point is we can do a lot right, but if we don't love people, if we don't welcome people with open hearts, if we don't get to know them and get invested in their lives, then, then all the window dressing stuff, all the rest of those things doesn't really matter. Like I said, that boat had great seating and food and drinks and, and incredible views. You could see the Golden Gate Bridge, you could see Alcatraz, all of it. But even with all of that, I would never, ever go back, if I haven't made that clear by this point. 
I wouldn't go back. And, and the same idea applies to, to us. Look, we can have flavored teas and candles and music and comfortable chairs. We can offer coffee and donuts at every Bible study that we have. We can welcome people into our homes for small groups. Uh, but, but what matters most is how we end up treating them. The relationships that we have, the love that we show. And this isn't just true for the church. This is true in so many places in our lives. Do we make people feel truly welcome at work? In our homes? In our friend groups? Are we technically welcoming, but inwardly judgmental, like the Pharisee? Or, hopefully, are we more like the woman in our text? Jesus holds up this woman as the best example of hospitality. She is the one who we are called to emulate. And this would have been, again, shocking for a first century Jewish audience. Knowing this woman, imagining this woman, they knew people just like this. And this woman is a sinner. And yet Jesus, the holiest person to ever walk the earth, raises her up as an example for all of us because her heart was in the right place. Where Simon the Pharisee has a heart of hostility, she has a heart of hospitality. She brings over this jar of ointment, almost certainly the most expensive thing that she owned, and she pours it out on Jesus' feet uh, without question. She offers everything she has. She cleans his feet with her own hair and her tears. She does everything to welcome him into somebody else's home. And that juxtaposition is supposed to be jarring for us. The Pharisee, the religious expert, is inhospitable and judgmental, and this sinful woman, who's probably on the outskirts of society, she's been beat up by her life and her decisions, and, and, and she's the one who nails it. She's the one who gets it right. She is radically hospitable. And we should be too. You know, radical hospitality isn't a new concept in Christianity. It's actually something that, that was extremely important to St. Benedict of Nursia. He wrote a famous work called The Rule of St. Benedict. We all have to read it in seminary. Uh, he wrote it in 516 AD. Uh, so this is 1,500 years ago. And it's still so applicable for us today. Uh, in it, he gives this extensive instruction on how monasteries were to function, how they were meant to treat visitors and guests, that would, uh, travelers that would come uh, along the way. And so I want to share just some excerpts uh, that St. Benedict wrote. He said, all guests who arrive, and this is really the heart of it all, all guests who arrive should be received as if they were Christ. He also says, as soon as a guest is announced... Then let the superior or one of the monks meet him with all charity. The greeting itself, however, ought to show complete humility toward guests who are arriving or departing by a bowing of the head or by a complete prostration on the ground as if it were Christ who was being received. After the guest has been received, let the superior or someone appointed by him sit with them. Let the abbot give the guests water for their hands and let both the abbot and the monks wash the feet of all guests. These are just a few snippets. It is extensive what they had to do for a guest, for strangers. 
This isn't high and mighty people coming to visit. This is anyone. And this was his expectation. He demanded that every guest to the monastery be treated as if they were Jesus himself. He demanded that all monks emulate the woman in our text because he wanted guests to experience the love of Jesus from the moment they step through the door. See, we can, we can get all the other stuff we've talked about throughout this series right. We can be an engaged church on a mission. We can be a church that offers powerful worship. We can have amazing discipleship opportunities and Bible studies. We can do all of that right. But if we never invite anyone, and if people don't feel welcome here, then we have allowed a fly infestation if we have the heart of the Pharisee, then they will miss out on all of the wonderful, transformative, amazing ministries that this church does. Then our blueprint fails, or at least it fails to accomplish all that it could. That's why it is so important for us to be a welcoming people with hospitable hearts. Not just because we want this church to grow or this service to grow, which we do, but more so because we want people to know our Savior. We want people to experience the love of Christ as soon as they walk through the doors of this church so they can get a taste of how good he is. That's what this woman understood so well. She understood that she was a great sinner, but that Jesus was an even greater Savior. And that's what he says. You remember what Jesus says? He says, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. And let me be really clear tonight. All of us are the woman. All of us are the sinner. All of us have fallen short. All of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes. And yet we have a Savior who has forgiven us. And so we ought to show great love the way that she does. It's out of that gratitude for what has been done for us that we try and follow St. Benedict's rule to treat everyone as if they were Christ, to show everyone the same radical hospitality that we've been shown. And so the question is, how do we do that? Where do we start? Uh, this is something we've been talking about, honestly, a lot as a staff the last few months. Uh, how can we be a church that is radically hospitable and engaging, a place that people want to get connected to. And so as a pastoral team, we've been going through a book called Fans First. Uh, frankly, this has been John's, John McKellar's obsession for like the last two months. I think that is very fair to say. Uh, and it's, the book is, is written by a guy uh, who, who bought the Savannah Bananas. Now, if you're not familiar with the Savannah Bananas, they're a minor league baseball team in Savannah, Georgia, who was failing until this guy, Jesse Cole, took over ownership and he overhauled everything. I don't know what they were called before, but it, they weren't the bananas before. He got a new name, I mean, he changed everything and his goal was simple. It was to be radically hospitable and to make baseball fun. And so he overhauled everything. He started by making games shorter and more immersive for fans, for example, Sometimes they play normal baseball, but often they play a form of baseball called banana ball. And in banana ball, 
you can steal first base, uh, there are no walks allowed, and if a fan catches a, a foul ball, that's an out. <laughs> On top of all that, tickets and food and drinks, everything is extremely cheap. They sell all of it at a loss. And all of the players spend just as much time learning choreography as they do practicing baseball. They do dances throughout the game. That's a cool picture. Um, and they also have, this is my favorite part, they have a group called the Banana Nanas, which are a bunch of grandmothers, and they serve as the team's cheerleaders. Now this team that was totally defunct, totally failing, they couldn't get anyone to come to any of their games. They now have a two-year wait list for tickets. Two years. You can't go see a Savannah Banana baseball game until 2024. They have changed the game of baseball. And the basis for all of that, the winning formula, was radical hospitality. It was making sure that people feel welcome, that they feel like they're being treated well, that they're a part of the game. And I think that that is, is an amazing metaphor for the church. It's incredible, and it's my encouragement for all of us tonight to be a little bit more like Jesse Cole. You don't have to wear the full yellow suit, but to be a little bit more like him. Let's try and, and, and think of creative ways to be radically hospitable at work, at home, at church. Let's try and think of ways to make people feel loved, to feel a sense of belonging. And maybe, maybe it's as simple as, as learning the names of the people that you see every day. Maybe you get coffee from this, the same spot every single day or every week, but you don't know the name of the barista. Connect. And maybe it's inviting somebody new in your office to go to lunch with you and your friends. Maybe it's dropping something off on the doorstep of, of, of the new neighbor in your neighborhood. Maybe it's learning the names of the people that you sit right next to every Saturday night. Look, all of those things sound very basic, very simple, but they can make a profound difference. And when we all do it, when, when all of that compounds together, and we connect the body that way, it ensures that we never become a church with blind spots, that we never allow the fly infestation to start. So let's not be like Simon the Pharisee. And instead, let's emulate the woman who Jesus commends. Let's follow St. Benedict's rule and be just a little bit more like Jesse Cole. Let's not have hearts of hostility but hearts of hospitality. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, help us. Help us to be a welcoming people, a hospitable people. Lord, not just on Saturdays and Sundays, and not just in the church, but everywhere we go. Because God, we believe that that's how they're gonna see you. They're gonna see you through our actions. They're gonna see you when we express love to our neighbor, when we invite and include. And Lord, that's what we want. We, we want people to know you. We want people to see you. 
everywhere we go. We want them to look at us and say, what's different about this person? They walk differently and they talk differently. They live differently. And God, I pray over Saturday night, I pray over this service, that we would be a group that is radically hospitable. That when somebody comes into this room, the foundry at 5.30 on Saturdays, they would feel a sense of belonging. That they would get a taste of you, that we would treat them as if they were you, your son, Jesus Christ. How we wanna be those people. So help us, help us to take little steps, help us to be creative, to come up with new ways to invite and include. Inspire us, empower us. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.